Well, hello, and welcome to Tune Into Gaming. Oh, hi there. Ohio there. I'm not in Ohio. No. But I am Quactical. And I'm North Kozar. Are you now? Yeah. What are we going to be talking about today? Because I have no clue. Oh, I'm supposed to know these things? Yeah. Uh, frantically scrambles through paper. So... Scramble, scramble. We're going to probably have a little bit of a shorter episode, but it's going to go by really quick because we're going to talk about racing games. So we're going to make a lap record. Zoom. Uh, probably going to talk about Need for Speed and Burnout as well as some open world games. And then in lieu of the mystery sound segment, which we've done for the past 10 episodes, we thought we would shake things up a little bit. And we have a, shake, a, shake. a sample of music that we're going to talk about a little bit and we'll see where our music discussion takes us because the last time we talked about music we uh, got off on all sorts of tangents so it'll just be us talking about a little bit of music blurble 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 <laughs> all of the blurbles i, I, I like started, blurbling you started it exactly when the skype call said four minutes and 20 seconds <laughs> exactly that was when you started saying blurble 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 <laughs> quality blurble. content Totally planned, 100%. Totally intentional, 100%. Untentional? Things that make you untense? I need some of that in my life. Doesn't everyone? What would that be? Is that like the moon that walks on the beach, scented candles in the rain? Uh, What? (laughs) I don't know. Scented candles in the rain? Yeah, because rain has a rain smell i mean i guess maybe that's if you had them in little like glass jars that would be one way to make a blurble blurble sound oh right because the rain would put the candle out got it something like that speaking of which not speaking of which at all but did some karaoke this week which was pretty fun belted out i need a hero you know this is pretty great (laughs) slayed hashtag slaying do you need a hero no not anymore Okay. I did then, but, you know, I'm kind of over it. Okay. Singing the song helped you achieve your hero status? Yeah, it was just like a, an in-the-moment kind of deal. Well, that's cool. <laughs> Do you often go and karaoke? <laughs> no, it was something with my company. Um, oh, nice. And holy cow, was there a lot of alcohol. It usually wouldn't there have to be. Kids, cover your ears. <laughs> it involves singing publicly in front of a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Um... And then also Korean barbecue, which is just lots of meat. Delicious meat. I don't know that I've... Have I... Would I have been to a Korean barbecue? I'm not sure. Um, <clears throat> but basically, it's like you sit at a table with like four or five people, and there's a grill in the middle, and they bring you plates of different kinds of meat, and you throw it on the grill. And then oh. when it's done cooking, you grab it, and you eat it. So not like... Uh, what was that restaurant back home? Benihana or whatever? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not just back home but whatever it's other places the too. only time i've been to it was shut up <laughs> it's like an actual real chain okay but yeah it's, it's a, you cook it yourself instead of the show yeah exactly gotcha um but it's really delicious and also kind of expensive so i'm glad that the company was paying for it and not me that makes things very nice that always yeah is better when you don't have to pay for the food and you still get food <laughs> as opposed to having to pay for no food and yeah not getting any food that's the worst although one of my coworkers did get like a large shard of glass in her shot glass and like started drinking it and then was like pulling this piece of glass out of her mouth i was like what the fuck that's not that's not good yeah it was only slightly terrifying you don't don't really want that that's how the bad things happen zero percent want 
Well, aside from karaokeing, what have you been playing in these past two weeks since we last convened? Well, we I've been playing a little bit of Mario Kart. Um, that was fun. Mario Kart 8 for the Wii U that is now newly in my apartment. Nice. Um, so that was pretty fun. Yeah, with my roommate and one of her friends last night, we had some Babu Peshu shenanigans. <laughs> Babu Peshu oh. being Baby Peach in strange gibberish speak. Um, oh. Also, there's Babaluwugu, Baby Luigi. Um, <laughs> and, and Babu Dezu, which is Baby Daisy. I like it. No, wait, there's Baby Daisy? <laughs> yes. That's, that's, a, that's like a selectable character? Pretty sure, unless it was maybe just a oh, baby peach skin. That's weird. But yeah, it was. I've forgotten how terrible I am at that game because like drifting is ask. very, very, very important. And then yep. yeah, <laughs> I was gonna ask how did it how did it go? Because the last I, I haven't played Mario Kart Eight. I think aside from like one or two times, and so the last like or the most newest Mario Kart game I've spent some significant time for was the one for the Wii mm. with all the motion controls and it was just bad. Oh yeah. Um, see this, like I was using the pro controller. Um, nice. I've definitely always liked Mario Kart. I think actually this version is the version I've played close to the most just because of how much I played it in college um, with some friends. Well, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, we just hang out and drink and <laughs> play Mario Kart. <laughs> Sounds like a grand old time. It yeah, I mean, it's the game's challenging and frustrating enough sometimes because, you know, you can be in second and then the game's like, "Ah, you need to be in last today." Yep. Um, with all the rubber band AI. So, you know, being nice and intoxicated and not giving a shit just makes things that much more fun. Yeah. Even without the computers, just blue shells oh. and everything <laughs> bad can happen. Blue shells, worst. I think my favorite Mario Kart game, granted, again, I haven't played much of Mario Kart 8, but uh, I still really like Double Dash. Hmm. I think that's actually one of the ones I've played the least of. Yeah? Yeah. Because we played a lot of uh, Mario Kart 64. Yep, back in the day. Back in the day. Back in the day. Boy, how time flies. Throw another alarm clock out the window. <laughs> Only the third one this week. Okay. That's not too bad. Yeah, but the thing that was nice about Double Dash was just that the, I guess the handling of the cars and everything was really nice. Mm -hmm. And you, I, I don't know how it is in Mario Kart 8, but there were like different cars that you selected that sort of had different stats as well. Yeah. So you could kind of like pick your racing style, I guess. Yeah, that's how it is in 8, Um, except cool. there's bikes as well, which oh. are generally the more drifty of the cart types i think That's but they all have different stats and you can pick wheels and you can pick like a glider thing as well there's oh yeah that's right because you like go upside mm -hmm. down and fly through right. the air and stuff <laughs> yeah so it's an interesting combination of like f-zero and stuff like that i know a lot of people have been saying that they have wanted a new f-zero game um but i think in some ways the like upside downness of mario kart 8 has not maybe alleviated people's desire but they've sort of maybe just tried to like please everyone with with the addition of that element because it is kind of cool and i do appreciate it but i also do miss like playing f-zero it is weird that they haven't done another f-zero game honestly yeah i mean i know they've been nintendo's been trying to like break new ground and come out with new franchises or just do new stuff with old ones so i'm surprised that they haven't done that with um 
like we'll have an actual metroid game not the federation force one mm. which wasn't really an actual metroid game but yeah i mean it probably just has to do with whatever they perceive as the current fan base of f-zero being small for whatever reason um or the popularity of the original games i don't know because it's like captain falcon has been such a core character to smash um yeah. and so you'd think that like there would be interest in bringing that back especially because like f-zero as far as like you know a title being on a nintendo system was definitely the more like i don't want to say like hardcore but just like more like racing racing game compared to mario kart where mario kart's like party racing right um, definitely it's it's the more intense you're going fast don't get exploded kind of yeah. racing game <laughs> um but i think if i recall the mechanic i really liked about it too was that when you boosted that actually was also your health or your shields or something like that oh really? um or it like did damage to you so that if you like wanted to go really fast and catch up you are putting yourself at a risk of if then if somebody like smacked you you were um, more likely to die hmm. um so that was kind of interesting because it it made this trade-off between like keeping yourself safe and like not bumping into people so like your health stayed high yeah and then like using your boost wisely to to speed through the the straightaway sections of the map but then if like if you started screwing up you'd go flying off the course at other points and like lose a bunch of health there hmm. yeah i'm also i'm just surprised that i mean them not doing a new f-zero game is whatever but i'm surprised that they haven't like tried to remake one of the one of them just like in you know an hd version yeah. or something because they've been doing that a lot lately that it certainly like is the age of remakes yeah i'm certainly if i feel like it would do well or i mean i would get it it'd be fun <laughs> and that's all it needs as yeah. long as one person gets it then exactly. that means it do did well as long as i play it that's all that really matters right <laughs> exactly but I didn't really play a ton of uh, F-Zero. What is it about F-Zero that makes it different from, like, regular car racing games? I mean, it's really the... I don't know how to describe the extra third dimension, but it's basically, like, you just you can go upside down, so the courses are, like, tubes through space, and you can be on all sides of them at any given point. Oh, okay. um, so it's not, it's not a traditional, like, your car is held to the road by gravity <laughs> gravity doesn't matter it's out the window much yeah. like the alarm clock um and then there's different boost pads um and like i was saying i think you like you refresh your health every lap okay. um but then you can you can use a boost that like uses up your health i think um i may be missing it on like some slight details but um it had that dynamic which is kind of interesting and then i'm pretty sure you could like quick spin into other cars and like if you smacked them into a wall you could potentially blow them up etc and i think you had a certain number of lives per per course okay so it's not just um, like and, one and done yeah and then and then it was like grand prix style racing so it's like you'd have like several courses and you'd have a place that was persistent over over the number of tracks that you selected etc and there was a ton of different characters and like all the characters had different cars which actually had a lot of different stats um That's cool so there were some that were more tanky and bulky and then some that were like speedier but if you smacked into them they would die almost instantly kind of thing right that sounds pretty i guess modern for as old as the game is at this point yeah i mean i remember there being a fairly large grid of characters um i i just played it on an emulator though so <laughs> gotcha that's cool though i'll have to maybe look into that and try playing it i i really i played it like a few times 
again back in the day, but I don't have a vivid memory of it. I just remember it being kind of unique and fun. Mm-hmm. Oh man, what was that? Do you remember if you ever played the um the racing game I had on my computer? Um, like the old like Windows ninety five PC I had, mm-hmm. and it was it was kind of had a vaguely sci fi theme, but I forget what the name was. Do you remember? Do you do you ever remember playing that? Based on those clues, I do not. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, then. Kind of, I remember playing Burnout. But okay, well, that was more recently, I think. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember the sci-fi racing game. I mean, it was like super old school, like pixely graphics. Yeah. But I remember like the the intro uh, cinematic had like sort of a plot, and it was like all these people on this planet that was dying. And it used to be like a center of industry or something like that. But then there's like one last shuttle going off the planet. And so everyone's like racing to get there. Um, except hmm. then it was just a racing game. So like that the story wasn't actually relevant to the game at all. I think, <laughs> I think my brain wants to remember it, but I don't know that I actually remember it. It's like I can see them, some of the maps. Um, and there was like some interesting like shortcuts that you could take if you like bounced off certain walls. There, and there was like a lot of interesting stuff like that. But yeah, I just don't don't remember what the name of it was well it serves me right for trying to think of things in my past uh, another game lost in the ten thousand and one games cd (laughs) actually i don't think it was from that i think it was something separate oh really yeah my dad might know but it's been a while so also he may not yeah man yeah it is crazy to think about that just like how many games that we've played over the years that you know we may never remember even playing playing them or the title of them but then it's just like some vague influence and some experience that affects us later on it's interesting yeah there's been quite a few i mean we talked well agf wasn't a racing game so i guess no, that, that was really like a count. top-down shooter yeah but uh, of games that are just kind of like back in the day sort of thing you know <laughs> uh, that, that made an impression because they were cool slash unique Kind of like, uh, you know, well, remembering F Zero for the fact that it was unique. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. much bigger game, obviously, but like things that were unique really stuck in my mind for that reason. But not being able to find or remember like how or where it exists is unfortunate because I mean, F Zero I can find and play. Right. But AGF is lost in the ether of <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Like, I mean, how many times have we tried to just search for what that game even was? Because like the version that we had, I'm pretty sure was like a demo too. Yeah, uh, I know I've tried a couple of times, so. <laughs> Man. Some some things, you know, you can't always get what you want. Nope. Can't but always I guess have cake and eat it, too. I'm making a 2D sort of, like, top-down shooter-y thing engine, so I guess I could just remake it, right? Yeah, basically. Just just real quick. Just, you know, just, just whip up a yeah. clone. Well, I mean, all you have to do is have one of the ships draw like from its shields to increase its damage and then there you go you've basically emulated one the game of the, yeah <laughs> one of the unique aspects about it so <laughs> it's funny that's actually an interesting connecting theme between f-zero and agf which is probably why i thought of it thought about it the, um, the shield yeah yeah the, except not shooting but boosting right but it's it's kind of cool because it's, it's one of those mechanics that like it really emphasizes the fact that there are trade-offs, right? It's not just like, okay, you have a gun, so let's spam it always. It's like, no, you have to be strategic about when you shoot. 
Right. And it's, it's similar, like with recoil or things like that in any mm-hmm. sort of setting. It's not just like hold gun and shoot thing always like all duty. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's recoil and stuff in that. <laughs> and I, I just remember the joke being for what was it? I don't know. Modern Warfare 2, where literally the best way to get headshots was just to like run and gun with the SMG because it would just like recoils directly into their head every single time. Yeah, usually <laughs> you have steady aim commando pro or something and just run around knifing and shooting hit firing oh man well that's a segue i didn't want reverse reverse (laughs) reverse reverse (laughs) to the left take it back now y'all three drifts this time speaking of drifting the game split second which i think was published by disney or whatnot and you played some of it as well i'm pretty sure certainly did uh one of the interesting things about it was it wasn't just a racing game but it was a cinematic destroy everything game so and by everything we mean like airplanes entire things i don't know yeah all in like a very like movie like massive explosions kind of way it was interesting well so that was the the quote-unquote story of the game was it was like all a hollywood thing and they're filming these races and so like when you go around as you like do good driving or drift or do things you fill up this meter and when you go by certain spots on the map, you can activate these like uh, explosions or things to wreck other drivers that are behind you or in front of you. Get wrecked. Some of them are just like an explosion happens and the thing does a thing. Or some is like this airplane comes in and crashes into the ground and the whole course changes. Uh, and the the story is that these are all like planned cinematic events for the racing like film or TV show that I think it was a TV show. That they were doing called Split Second. Yeah, it was like a reality TV show, I think, <laughs> yeah. was what the story was. <laughs> and <laughs> um, kind of whack. But the interesting thing about that game is that I played a, a decent amount of the online at one point, and there were obviously like the top three cars that were used just because they were the best cars, but the essentially best, best car was the one that was the uh, most adept at drifting. And the reason for this is because the more you drift, the quicker your like bar thing fills up. And also the drifting in that game was kind of funky in the sense that you really like there was no downside to ever drifting. So like or to ever not drifting. It, yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> that is. Yeah. So like you just would drift constantly around corners, around everything. If you weren't drifting, you were like doing something wrong. And it was very much a drifting heavy focused racing game, more so than like a drive straight kind of racing <laughs> game. Yeah, so, you definitely spend at least 50 percent of the time drifting like yeah if not more and it it was it was interesting though just because of that it made it it made it challenging in an unexpected way because it's not like necessarily look out for these really scary sharp turns or whatnot i mean it is but it's make sure you're doing the drifting so you can still be like you know in in the race as well or i i don't remember exactly how the other aspects of drifting tied into the game but i just remember that i mean i do remember that it filled up the meter yeah um, and and that i think it depended on the cars like certain cars weren't as good at drifting they just were kind of more of the high speed ones because weren't there different types of ways that they used the boost pickup or something like that no i'm I'm thinking i'm confusing it with burnout now yeah (laughs) so it's um there there were yeah like sort of different classes of cars in terms of ones that were a bit sturdier ones that were more drifty and ones that were just fast and usually the drifty ones were were king yeah i definitely just remember that one course that you mentioned it briefly where you hit one of the 
the explosion points and like an airplane literally crashes into the course. (laughs) Yeah. And then the course changes because you like originally you go through a hangar and when you activate that, you veer up into the left around the downed. uh, What is that tower that they have at airports? Control tower. Yeah, sure. Something like that. Yeah. The ground control to Major Tom Tower. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So but it was cool because you could change the layout of the racetrack in unexpected ways for other players and it just yeah it it was neat and unique and i mean i have no idea if it's worth necessarily going out and playing but of the games that we've talked about on this podcast split second was one of two games that i purchased based on playing a demo (laughs) and the other one is will always be legend because that's just cause 2 yeah which incidentally now that we're talking about just cause 2 for a brief moment there one of the things that was always really fun for me in that game was just driving around. And there were oh, races yeah. in that game as well. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, you know, we're talking about some of these more traditional racing games like Split Second. And we've we've mentioned Burnout a little bit. I definitely want to talk about that, too. Yeah. Um, but then there's also like open world games that have driving like Just Cause or GTA or like Sleeping Dogs, for example. Um, but Just Cause really sticks out in my mind just because of how much time we spent driving around and how massive the island is like. There's so many pretty views, like as the sun is setting over the ocean and you're like driving along the coast. It's so picturesque. Yeah, it really is. And I think I, that, yeah, having that freedom to drive everywhere. Mm-hmm. And and we talked about it a while on one of the uh, our past podcasts when we were talking about open world games, but like how the GPS system works in it is really mm-hmm. neat in that it doesn't detract from you looking at the world because the right. You don't have to look at the map the entire time to to still main, be on route. Yeah, and so you get to enjoy all the pretty views more reliably. If you're trying to go to a specific destination, or if you're like me, you just get on the fastest motorcycle and drive and weave in and out of traffic, and it's fun, because it's yeah. also pretty. Yeah, I mean, if you're not aware of what we're talking about, the um, when you designate a location on your map, these little, like, somewhat see-through yellow arrows appear in the game world itself, so you don't actually have to look at the mini-map all the time to navigate. So if a turn is coming up, you'll get a couple of like chevrons pointing to the right. Say, hey, you need to turn this way. Um, They're a little easy to miss if you're not careful sometimes. But like if you're just paying attention, it's usually not too bad. But I really, really enjoy that. I don't have to take my eyes off the world. And that's definitely something that like bothers me a little bit about GTA. If I'm like going for an objective, because I feel like I'm always looking at the minimap. So you end up with kind of like binary gameplay where Either you're like looking at the mini map and you're going to a specific location or you're looking at the world around you and you're just messing around. And I want to kind of do both, you know? And I think the thing for me is, you know, driving around in a game like GTA is it's cool and it's fun to do ridiculous stuff in a more, I guess, realistic setting. But one of the other things I really liked about Just Cause is that you're you're not often in the city part of the island. Yeah. And I like that because I'm always around buildings. And when I'm driving in real life, granted, I'm not driving like how I do in GTA, but I'm around buildings and city and whatnot. And I appreciate being able to be in a game world that is, you know, more not not unique, but just different than what I see every day. Yeah, I will say, though, that like GTA five, I mean, I haven't played a lot of it at all, but it does have a lot more variety of terrain than like GTA four does. For yeah. Example. Yeah. Cause you've got the, you've got like the mountains and whatnot 
that right. you can go out to and sort of like dirt bike. I mean, it explore. really is just a microcosm of Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Um, but then like Sleeping Dogs is a game where I love the driving in that game. And if, if you're not familiar with Sleeping Dogs, it's it's another like GTA like game, um, but it's set in Hong Kong play as a, an undercover cop um, infiltrating the um, the gangs there. Yep. Um, it's really, really great game. Fantastic story, like really well well-written characters with like interesting development um and but then just the gameplay is great too uh and the driving is really interesting especially because you have to drive on the wrong side of the friggin' road <laughs> i i you know of the games that i've played sleeping dogs definitely made me feel the most immersed and granted i have no idea the levels of authenticity maybe someone who lives there would be like this right. is all wrong but it doesn't matter the fact that you are driving on the left side of the road really like it just it, it sinks home yeah it does and it's such it's such a little detail that i mean it makes sense obviously but it really adds to the immersion factor for me and i think that because there is a lot of driving and things that you do i just i don't know i really appreciated it it was a really cool yeah. it was a really cool way to sort of really root you in in the game world yeah it's definitely definitely very immersive um I took a lot of musical inspiration actually from some of the the radio tracks, like as, especially when it was like raining really heavily in the game. Yeah. Um, actually, when we do our music sample segment later on, the the piece of music that I selected is actually reminded me of playing Sleeping Dogs and like driving through the city in the rain quite a bit. Um, but we can talk about that later too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, it definitely seemed just like very picturesque landscapes, you know. I don't know, like, I feel like the, the really dark, like, nighttime, rainy driving is just kind of an awesome thing in games in general. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, and I've, I don't know if I've talked about it on this podcast, but there's a moment where, near at the end of the game, avoiding spoilers, but you're driving to the end game location, and as you're driving, it's sort of like he's having these memories go through his head, and so there's lines of dialogue, and it's, I don't know if it's scripted, but it's dark and rainy and there was a specific song playing that just fit like on the in-game radio that fit the mood perfectly and I have no idea if the song was scripted I didn't change the radio because it fit perfectly but all of these elements that may or may not have just been coincidence all like combined together for such mm -hmm. a like dark and moody you know final like reflection moment <laughs> yeah that game was just moody as hell <laughs> oh totally it was it was very dramatic and moody but it was it was cool how you know like you were saying driving through the dark in the rain with this music really just like amped everything up to this heightened level of drama and suspense and tension that uh, oh, yeah. really amplified the story for me especially near there at the end so unlike just cause where it's not quite as immersive no. but it's fun for different reasons it is <laughs> yeah no and there's no in-game radio is there mm. no but i do i do recall that like some of the like country driving music or no it wasn't the driving music it was the when you're on your parachute and you're like floating through the air you just got this like really calm peaceful kind of floaty music you, you got great. you got this like uh, uh secret agent guitar twang like <laughs> like kind of happening yeah. just like subtle and you get like the wind noise as you're like flying through the air in the parachute yeah Good talk stuff. about ambiance yeah. It's interesting, like, how much driving games and the experience of them is, like, I think it's a genre where the graphics and, like, the sound and stuff really, really matter a lot. Like, 
especially hearing the sound of the cars. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's like all that ambiance is is very, very necessary for a racing game, because if you're just like, you know, driving straight on a boring highway, it's like. It's not fun. Yeah, it's, it's all about kind of how the levels look and the experience of of exploring them and experiencing them. Uh, oh, totally. Well, you think about the experience of experiencing them. <laughs> the experience of experiencing them is a big deal. Like, you know, you have it's a very we, important experience. We've talked about the open world driving and mm-hmm. a lot of that is that sense of exploration and it's tied into that because that's kind of an integral part of the open world game. However, when you have just a racing game, that visual is still very important because I mean mm-hmm. like split second obviously has huge cinematics and crazy shenanigans that are going on but I mean you look at a game like Forza that has these incredibly beautiful cars in these beautiful landscapes and like you said the graphics are really important to that and that's very much more about that like simulation immersion where it's like we have we have recreated these vehicles you know down to the nut and bolt right like yeah <laughs> and it's neat to again be immersed in that way and like you said the graphics really i think add to that immersion but also the sounds of the environment that you're in on the on the track and the sounds of the car and the rev of the engine or the purr of the mm-hmm. engine or however you want to describe it that are are pretty important and i think that there's there's a lot of different i don't want to say caliber but it's types of racing games in that sense where you have like your burnout or your need for speed or your forza that are kind of like different tiers on, you know, here are cars that are real cars or here are cars that are, you know, pretty much real cars, but let's have some fun with it. And yeah. in terms of, I guess, the the realism spectrum of things. I definitely think, you know, maybe my preference and our preference is one for like the open world driving. Because um, like my favorite racing game, I think at this point is Burnout Paradise as far as like a like actual racing game. Right. Um, <laughs> and then like we obviously like the Just Cause and stuff. but. You know, for me, I don't think I've ever gotten into like games like Forza quite as much. Um, I definitely like the more fun mechanics than the like hyper realistic mm-hmm. when it comes to racing games. Oh, um, I don't think either of us are very big fancy racing car buffs. So, no. <laughs> that, you know, we, we can appreciate and be like, wow, that's a really cool looking car. But it's it's not going to have the same impact as someone who knows the car and who wants that car in real life or but something. But we'd be like, that's a really cool looking sci-fi car just as easily. So like, yeah. it doesn't have to be realistic. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, oh man, talk about sci-fi cars. The Rush, like 2048 or whatever it was. 2048, that's a different thing. <laughs> what was the year of that one? Where, where, where it had the, the trick level where like the cars had wings and you could flip them around and do different stunts. Was it? 2048? <laughs> I don't know. 2049? Uh, what? Hold on. I'll, I'll look it up. Talk about Dude, it for 2049. I was only one year off. It was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, San Francisco Rush 2049, which is really old. I guess originally released for the Dreamcast and arcade. It's funny. Hmm. Oh, and the N64. Okay. But uh, it uh, just, it's a futuristic racing game that puts you in future San Francisco and puts you in the future. future. Yeah. yeah. They were, you know, interesting polygonal shaped cars, but it was fun <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I remember that game had a lot of like shortcuts. Shortcuts, that's definitely like a core racing game like mechanic. I would say so. For most racing games, yeah. It's pretty, pretty vital. And like, I, I definitely can't think of one that doesn't have them actually. <laughs> um, I don't really know what Forza does. Mm. 
yeah i guess with shortcuts but of yeah, the ones that i've played a, a lot of a lot of them have some kind of shortcut or long cut the kind of thing where you're like this looks like a shortcut and it's like nope and you yeah, know troll lolo lolo learning the maps is, yeah. is a pretty you know important thing as well whereas like burnout i mean it doesn't really have specific shortcuts although for some routes it does but um if you're not familiar with burnout it's more of like an open world racing game where there's there's a city and each intersection basically is its own like race or some type of event. And so when you go there, you start a race, but you just have to race to like one of the there's like six different destinations. So from whatever intersection you start off, you have to race to one of the destinations and you can take almost any route that you want. But of course, like if you take a route that takes longer, you're going to lose. Um, yeah. So that's kind of really incorporating learning the game and playing yeah. to uh, to figure out what what route is going to be the most efficient or the most ideal so that's but kind then of you also have cool. some like optimization of oh if i'm going to be driving in this part of the city then like maybe i'll want this car um and then of course like you unlock different cars what, what's cool too is that the way you the mechanic for unlocking the more advanced cars is you have to complete some of the events and then then you unlock the cars to drive around the city so like as you're driving you see like other racers driving around and if you like beat them up like crash into their car and make them crash you then get to use that car. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and so that's how you like fully unlock the new, more advanced vehicles. Huh. So it's that was just, kind of interesting. You have to go smack into them. It's like but, GTA without getting out of the car. <laughs> yeah. But you can also do that unlock, that second unlock step. If you're doing, there's these like, I forgot, I almost want to call them like rumble modes, but they're basically like destruction races where instead oh, okay. of having to get to a certain destination, you have to destroy a certain number of cars or be the one who's destroyed the most. And now, if you destroy one of the other cars in that mode, you also unlock them. That's, so it's cool. I think that's what I remember most about Burnout. And again, I don't yeah. have a ton of experience or familiarity with playing it, but I do remember the sort of destruction derby races where you had to destroy the other cars. That was yeah, that's, that's my like, memory of Burnout. There's some much larger like trucks and stuff in that game too. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do recall that Split Second had trucks. But they weren't they weird like hybrid trucks or something. The it was so that was the sturdier vehicle, mm -hmm. and again they're not really good. <laughs> uh, it was the kind of thing where like when an explosion happens near you and it's not going to destroy your car. If you're in a truck or like a heavier vehicle, you're not going to get like knocked around as much. But it's not really worth the trade off, honestly. So. For the no maneuverability or speed or anything except for destructive power. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely, I definitely always like Burnout though. Um, played hundreds of hours of it, yeah, like several playthroughs. Uh, and just because of like all the unlockable stuff too, it's fun to just kind of like play through and then start over and play through. Um, because you can play, you can like play out the different cars each time, and there's tons of like shortcuts and like random unlockables to do as well. That's cool. I'll have to look into that and see because it sounds it sounds like a kind of unique early hybridization of the open world game yeah but it's just in a car yeah um oh and i think the other type of event was like there's like a stunt stunt run that you could do that's cool. um so depending on the different flips and like tricks you do nice. and i think in that game the the way to, that you get your car to do different flips is like you want to drift and like so start your car spinning right before you go off the jump um so you can get like different curves that way that's uh, cool but I think I think the way it works is that if you crash, you like lost your points. So you really actually had to make sure that it worked. <laughs> yeah, you got to land the. Got to land it. 
One of the things that is cool is having those different modes in a racing game. Mm -hmm. So it's not just, you know, here's a race. I mean, not that Kirby Air Ride is at all fitting into the racing game category what with we're talking about with cars specifically i mean but it is in, in it, the sense it is of the it is yeah. a racing game but i mean having the like the main look you're gonna pick a track and you're gonna pick a car and you're gonna race mode but then having those alternatives like the destruction derby or you know for kirby or a city trial i think is cool mm-hmm. and one of the things that i really liked is uh need for speed hot pursuit which yeah. we played on the on my, the gamecube again back in the day uh was cool because it was not only just you know here's a racing game you're doing stuff but it had the whole element of there's police going after you and the thing that was fun was being able to play as the police going after the racers and yeah because we'd like switch back and forth doing that i remember that being really fun yeah and so it's it it adds another level to that racing game where not only now are you racing but you're racing to outrun the other racers and the cops and it was a cool Mm -hmm. like couldn't you put down like spike strips and get like assist cars yeah, or something like that as as the cops you had like a certain number of uses you could call in a helicopter or a spike strip mm-hmm. or uh i think it, you could call in like an extra an ai backup cop car or something you had like three abilities essentially mm-hmm. that you would use uh throughout your pursuit it's an early form of moba <laughs> yeah sure well sure <laughs> we'll go with that we'll go with that why not right yeah, i definitely remember playing that um other than that, I think the only other Need for Speed game I've played was uh, High Stakes, okay, which was a PC one that I had, and I don't remember anything very much about it except for the single player. Um, but was it what was interesting about the single player is like you know you'd go through different circuits and you'd like earn money, um, and you'd have to buy new cars, and if you like smacked up the cars on while you were racing, you had to repair them, so that was like part of what you had to earn the money for. Yeah. Um, but the game was called high stakes because some of the like boss missions was you had to do these like one-on-one races with somebody else. And if you won, you won their car. And if you lost, you lost your car. You know, I think I played that a little bit. Cause I remember having to do a couple of those races in a PC need for speed game that I played some of, but I remember the frustrating part about it was some of them. It'd like, it'd be like, Oh, Hey, here's this fancy car. You like, you can do this high stakes thing for, but it's some car that you've never used before against some other car. And I remember one time it was like, this car won't fucking turn. Like <laughs> I got this like Mercedes or something that literally would not turn. And it, I just lost it. And like, that was the old, I think I got stuck actually. Cause I couldn't complete that race. And that was the next one to advance to like the next stage of circuits. Oh no. <laughs> it's like, this car won't fucking turn help. But it may have been like a computer issue. Cause I remember I had like, fps problems back when i had a really really crappy laptop oh back in the back in the day you we could even like, call it a crap top we should keep a counter of all the times that me and or you say back in the day in the day back in the day <laughs> back in the day back Wait. in the day back in the day back in the day yeah i guess thinking about you know outside of the box with racing games kirby air ride was a pretty fun one but the thing that made kirby air ride fun wasn't the racing mode that was actually one of the least fun modes just because there weren't very many interesting racing mechanics it was just kind of right here you can just go i guess oh and that's i think for us probably one of the things that is less of an appeal with forza because yeah we we were interested in kirby air ride for the kirby but we're not interested in the cars for the the forza so there's kind of that disconnect there into what gets us into the game for just like standard racing and again i haven't played a ton of forza but i do you know really appreciate what it does for 
again that immersion factor and the graphics obviously I think that it's really top notch but I think that you and I both prefer a little bit less realistic of a racing game for the sake of more entertaining and unique gameplay I mean I think we could say that across the board just not for just racing games like just in general yeah you know when it comes to shooters and stuff like I'd rather have something that has like a unique visual aesthetic um and and design as opposed to something that's trying to be like you know this is realistic every down to the dust spec military shooter you know yeah um down to the dust spec yeah the the dust level of graphics is very important these days kind of crazy like and yeah like i do acknowledge that it adds a large level of visual immersion but but i don't think you like actually sacrifice a lot of immersion or sacrifice any immersion at all by just by having something that has its own just unique visual aesthetic that speaks to the design right oh definitely like a game like borderlands like you don't i don't think you miss out on the immersion because it's not realistic graphics right but the graphics all make sense and are coherent and like fit the gameplay aesthetic and design so so it's immersive because of that oh yeah definitely it, it needs to be something that's authentic to the game not necessarily authentic mm-hmm. in terms of the real life experience yeah so and, like, and that's why like you know split second does a really great job of that right obviously these are not realistic but you have these really like cool looking explosions in a in a realistic like way but it, it's not like truly realistic right that's well that's kind of how they got around it they were like yeah this isn't real it's all like on a hollywood lot being filmed and scripted or you know <laughs> they were like this isn't we're not really putting these drivers in danger so uh yeah we can do this because we're disney <laughs> Right? yeah like, like i'm just trying to imagine the guy selling this pitch you know he's like for this reality tv show yeah it's a little bit ridiculous when you think about that considering how many times your car explodes per race yep like literally just explodes in a fireball yep like oh that driver is still alive he's totally. fine totally it's it's it's, it's uh, in the script <laughs> no, nothing wrong here if your character dies in the script he dies for real <laughs> yeah well that is how that works unfortunately that, wasn't but, that a horror movie where it was like there was the video game if you die in the game you die in real life i know that i know that's a meme i just yeah, don't know what the movie was it was um was wasn't it just called gamer i don't know i think it was Maybe. just called gamer and it was really not good oh i typed in not gamer hold on not gamer it was yeah gamer 2009 Wow, 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. Each week, a death row inmate battles his fellow prisoners in a violent online game called Slayers. His every move controlled by a young gamer's remote device to the players are just, they're just simulated characters. But, uh, oh, it was a critical component of a plan to end high-tech slavery. I don't know. That was, that's something different. Um, The movie I was thinking of, it was like, there's these like teenagers in a house and they're like playing a video game. And it's like, it looks like a platform or something, and one of them dies, and then like some like monster like kills them. Like it, but oh. it's, if you die in the game, you die in real <laughs> oh, life. Oh, like a horror game or movie. Horror movie, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not sure what that is. Um, I just remember it being like a meme because just you die in the game, you die in real life. Maybe it was, maybe it was just a meme video. So yeah, I just I remember the meme. There's so many things that are like that where I remember the meme and not the source. Like it's so bad. <laughs> Welcome to the internet, yeah. Welcome to life and hot spicy memes. Robat. Bum, yeah. bum, bum, bum. I think that there's there's a lot of diversity in racing games these days, but I also think that there's kind of not like 
not like streamlined, but I think that games that are hearkening more to the realistic Forza side of things are becoming more popular. And so we're seeing mm-hmm. less of the, the burnout or the need for speed kind of games, which need for speed has gotten much more, you know, quote unquote, realistic as newer games have come. Oh, really? I, I don't even know what the most recent Need for Speed game. Yeah, I haven't followed that franchise in a long time. Was that came out, but yeah, both both the Need for Speed games we mentioned are at least ten years old. I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah, I, I, um, I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, there's also the Grid games, which I haven't played at all, but I I do own them. I think I got them in a humble humble monthly bundle, but I should check those out at some point too. Yeah, do you I know don't. much about them? I I do not. You do not. I think I have one of them. Maybe. I have so many games on Steam. I don't even know what I have anymore. <laughs> like my tab for looking at my games on Steam is just installed so that I don't get confused. Oh yeah, me too. Which also causes me to forget about all the things that I have on there that just don't in- that I don't install. Yep. Me too. The life struggle. It's really real. though. Too many games. Yeah. Well, um shall we move on to our music sample? Sure. So in lieu of the mystery sound this episode, we have a video game music sample that we're going to listen well, to. It's actually not a video game music sample, but it's like oh. cinematic-y sounding. So I, I figured it was appropriate anyway. Got <laughs> a cinematic-y sounding music sample that we'll talk about. Um, uh, here, I let me just introduce it a little bit. Um, Go for so it. I'm, I'm really into jazz and jazz fusion, and this is um, an excerpt of a track off of an album by a pianist by the name of Bill Lawrence. Um, he's associated with uh, the jazz fusion group Snarky Puppy. Um, and he's done these cool solo projects. Um, this album is called Flint, I believe. Um, <clears throat> and it's just a really awesome combination of different jazz styles and then a really like cinematic kind of composition. Like each of the tracks really has its own kind of like up and down journey. Um, and I like, like I was mentioning earlier in the podcast, this particular piece um, really, really reminds me of kind of that like dark, moody night um, driving around and like sleeping dogs, like the melancholy, happy, almost kind of like feeling and theme to it. Um, but anyway, so the the track is called uh, The Good Things. That's pretty cool. I definitely see what you're talking about with the uh, that sort of melancholy, but like, yeah, brooding, but bittersweet happening in there. Mm-hmm. But then when the drums come in, be- just because of like how like driving and fast they are, like that's that's what really like tied those themes together, right? Because like the piano starts and it's like, okay, you wouldn't think of this as like driving music necessarily, right? But then just like the speed of the underlying rhythm, like really, I think adds a lot of motion to. To the harmony that's happening um yeah 
definitely. Well, and I, I just, I have to say that I really, really like this a lot because I'm biased towards pieces of music (laughs) that, well, that have this, this, uh, this contrasting, conflicting, like slow melody, you know, with this layered, fast, double timed percussion happening. Right. Because it really, it really creates this strong push pull effect that you're like, yeah, being pulled really hard in one direction with the speed and, you know, the franticness of the percussion. But at the same time, you're being, you know, sort of weaned into this like calming melody that is, in, in this case, very, you know, kind of moody. And it, it creates this like, I don't, I don't know the word that I want Maybe to use. Yeah, here, it creates a lot of tension and contrast and motion. Yeah. And uh, I think motion is really like the way I would describe it. Um, and you're and you're right, because it's 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 pulling you and like keeping you in a place at the same time. So it really just stretches, stretches things. And for something that you're incorporating into, you know, like you were saying, the themes of this dark and rainy sort of nighttime driving scenario, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, this this adds a lot of mystery as well in in kind of the moodiness of the piano you're you're going somewhere and it's important again that's sort of reinforced by the percussion that's driving when that comes in but you don't really know what is happening or what is going to happen or there's some there's something that you aren't being told as a listener to this piece of music and you don't really know what that is and maybe you never find it out but you're Mm -hmm. you're on this journey anyway like that's kind of some of the story that I get from it. Yeah. And I, I just think it's so cool that there are pieces of music like that, that can give you so many strong, either emotions or like, you know, visual ideas. Um, and you know, the rest of the track actually doesn't quite remind me of driving, you know, it goes, goes to other themes and other places. But what's interesting to me about that segment is just that like, it, it was very, very strong the first time I listened to it. And I, I think I had just played sleeping dogs too. <laughs> Even better. But, you know, it, it's really interesting just how, how those associations get formed and how certain themes and certain ideas are connectable for people. And then especially once you, like, give someone the seed of what the idea is, it's like, you know, you can't unsee it, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, you totally planted that in my head before <laughs> even listening to it. You were like, this is what this makes me think of. And I'm like, yeah, that's what that makes me think of, too. Yeah. And that's why, like, when we were talking about the authenticity to the game and having that immersion factor, mm-hmm. I won't get too much on my soapbox about immersion but like when you have that authenticity between the sounds and the visual mm-hmm. that's what's you know really important in reinforcing of that so basically you telling me you you told me this is the scene you know essentially so i i created that visual in my head and so then when i heard it it matched up to that and so i was like oh yeah i get it i see it it makes sense but if if it had been something like you know the star wars imperial march i'm like wait this is supposed to be you know <laughs> driving in the rain moody music not that it isn't but then you're still picturing scary. that you're so then you see that. the the juxtaposition of now the sound which doesn't seem to match the visual okay but that but that creates a third effect right that does something else and i think yeah. that's that's the interesting part about video game music is that you have this combination of music that's composed specifically for the scene in a video game and then sometimes you have music that's from something else that's made to make you think of something else to add on to a scene that you have that's separate, right? Yeah. Like you have the, these multiple ways that it's utilized. And I think that it, it really 
is important when incorporating all of that together to keep in mind what the big picture vision is. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, you could totally have something left field that fits in there and it might work in a game like, you know, like Borderlands that sort of already has that throwing curveballs, weird quirkiness. Mm -hmm. But if you're going for something like the immersion of sleeping dogs and you want to really create this sense that you, you know, you are in Hong Kong, you are this moody police investigator doing his job type of thing, then you need something that's going to reinforce that. And I think that, you know, when you have the visual and have it match up with either the sound effects or the music, it is, it is important to make sure that that is authentic to the experience you want. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be, realistic or it's funny that you should mention borderlands in that context because you know the cage the elephant tracks that they have in both borderlands one and two fit so perfectly oh like, yes <laughs> i mean um, whenever, so it's just a perfect example of this concept uh, yeah it, it works very well and that's like what you were saying taking game, music that was composed specifically for the game or taking existing tracks in other ways and kind of adding it to the game well and i think of uh like mass effect one i shoot i can't remember the name of the group or the piece of music that plays like during the credits Mm -hmm. there's just like this weird sort of post-rock sounding melancholy thing that played during the credits and it was really neat but i don't remember remember. and then the music in that game you know it was funny i remember you mentioning to me at one point i don't remember exactly when this was but um because like when you play the game and you listen to the music it sounds a certain way and then you listen to the to the music outside the context of the game, and it sounds totally different. Oh, like yeah. it still sounds like Mass Effect. You can still very clearly identify that this is what it's from, but it just sounds so different. You hear all these parts of it that you weren't paying attention to because now it's the primary the focus of your attention, right? Right. Well, and that's just that's just good composing when you create mm-hmm. the music and you can instantly hear like, "Yep, this is from that." Like, I, I think that there's certain tracks you know going back i guess to star wars that you hear and you're like yeah this sounds like star wars but by and large a lot of you know quote-unquote cinematic music for film kind of all sounds the same sure there might be like thematic elements that are unique to a film or a series or whatnot but by and large you're like yeah that sounds like cinematic film music whereas they, they use a similar palette of sounds that's why yeah and i think that video games have a much stronger reason to tie in the music to it because it's such an important part of the experience not that it's unimportant for film but there's this expectation this hollywood cinematic expectation that this is how the film music should be this is the sound of something being epic yeah exactly (laughs) no yeah you have to have the big drums and you have to have all of that whereas with and like the like the swelling strings etc yeah whereas with the game like i think that there is a style that you could say like, this sounds distinctly Pokemon. Like it sounds like it's from a Pokemon game Mm -hmm. or it sounds like it's from, you know, uh, some other. Yep. Or like mass effect. It sounds like it's from a mass effect game, which has that very sci-fi arpeggiated synth thing going on that blends in some strings and whatnot. But But so having that clear identity come out through the music is in some ways more important for video game music than it is for film music. Right, because most of the time, well, in film, you're scripting something, and so you know how the audience is going to receive it, because it's all intentional. Not, I mean, it's intentional in the fact that it's scripted, so it's going to appear one way, how you portray it. But in a game, there's a lot of other elements in terms of what the player might do, 
And mm-hmm. so you can Oh, in different different scenarios that they'll actually associate with hearing that music. Like right. the moments where you go, man, that music really fits so perfectly. Those are the moments you're gonna remember. And for each individual person who plays the game, that moment is gonna be a different moment. Right. Like me discussing the the scene that I had in Sleeping Dogs where all of these perhaps random elements lined up to make this really memorable moment for me mm-hmm. driving in the rain. Like who knows? Who knows if anyone else had that kind of moment in the game like I did with that music, but I think um, that it really adds another level of, you know, reinforcing that immersion when you have music that fits. And I mean, obviously you want music that fits, but that adds to the bigger picture of the game. Yeah, it's funny. I just realized another association that I had with one, the, the sample, as well as kind of the driving in the rain thing. Because the Minecraft rainy music is also that kind of like gentle piano. Um, so this yeah. is like the, the tense version of that. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, I also really like just especially to go more on like the music genre studies side that modern jazz in a lot of ways is expanding itself so much. Like, you know, I mentioned that like that, that's a drum and bass beat, right? That the drums yeah. are using in that track. Um, and this is like a jazz fusion album, right? So I, th- I think it's really cool that those kinds of elements are blending together so much more um, because it just it, it creates a larger palette for, for these themes to be combined and, and to create different feelings. And obviously, this is, this is a feeling and this is a theme that I really appreciate and get a lot of value out of. So it's like, I'm very happy to see that, that artists are, are using the freedom, using that freedom of expression to create these new ideas. Yeah, I I agree. I'm I'm someone who I I hate genres for the sake of boxing things in. You know, when you go on YouTube or SoundCloud or whatever and you have all these comments like this isn't real folk hip hop fusion blend whatever. It needs to be like this or you know, they're yeah. they're bashing it because it doesn't fit these boxed in things. Yeah, whereas I think that the genre should just be a way to describe the music. So you say Oh, it sounds like music that sounds like X descriptor, but it or, also sounds like this music and it sounds like this music. Like, yeah, it, it creates it creates a jumping off point. Like mm-hmm. you think, OK, I want to make something that sounds jazzy or sounds like a house type of track. And it gives you a, a starting point or it gives you an associate a point of association. So, you know, you you have a way to relate to it. And I think that's why sometimes people when they hear something that breaks genres or, you know, does something new, they're like, wait, how do I associate with this? I no longer have the terminology to feel like I know what's going on. And they're like, that's wrong. I don't like that. You know, there's that right, pushback. Because they're, they're used to associating with it in a very specific way. Um, and so suddenly they're being asked to associate with, with those ideas in a somewhat different way. And that's uncomfortable a lot of times, especially if you're not familiar with like taking something that, like that and changing it yeah and i think that it's it's all it always saddens me to see artists get you know negative feedback or pushback when they try Mm -hmm. something new or expand outside of their you know quote-unquote genre that they create in because i think that modern music is really about experimentation and seeing what you can do because of all of the technology and tools that we have at our disposal why why not Mm -hmm. try it why not do something new? Why not push the boundaries? Like that's, I think that that's the point of any art is to continue treading new path. And so it, it hurts me to see other artists getting, you know, flamed about it because I think that that's the most important thing for them to do. 
And it might not be something that I even like. I might be like, I like their other stuff better. But the fact that they're willing to try it is really inspiring, you know, especially bigger name artists, too. I think part of the issue, too, is that a lot of people don't understand the the difference between like taste and preference and then like artistic quality. Right. And an artistic effort. Like just because something isn't your taste, your preference doesn't mean it's like bad or not worthwhile. It just means that, okay, you don't have a taste for that. So yeah. to listen to something else, like the <laughs> end of story, like it, it really, I think the part of the problem comes from when people hear something that they don't like. And this is especially true with music for whatever reason, when people hear something that they don't like, it's like they're they're angry for being made to have listened to it in the first place. Like, right, they're, they're like angry how, that it exists at all. How like, dare this even be around? Like, I shouldn't have to listen to this garbage. It's like, okay, well then, then don't. If which you don't I like think it, it's just like a very entitled attitude, right? It's, it's like it's an, it's there an, must be no music made that I don't approve of. It's a very <laughs> entitled kind of millennial internet thing because you've got the anonymity of the internet. You have that sort of like instant desired gratification thing all going on mixed into this ball of why (laughs) directed at the poor artist that just wants to you know make something new and unique and cool i mean so you get some like really fantastic artists who are making some very interesting combinations of music especially between like you know maybe like jazz and some like electronic styles for example and you get a lot of fans quote unquote fans who will go on there and just be like, oh, garbage. This is trash. Mm-hmm. Like and just like posting that kind of stuff. And I mean, obviously, there those comments and their opinions as as close to nil value as you can possibly get. But at the right. same time, it definitely is disheartening to see how prevalent that is and how prevalent that behavior is. Like, you know, when people talk about, oh, it's just, you know, some comments on the Internet, just ignore it. It's like, well, it's just crazy to see how much of like communication in some of these places, like YouTube, for example, is filled with that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like a good half, at least in most cases, I would say. Yeah. And it's, it, it is really, I think it, it does just have to do with the internet. Like if you were somewhere mm-hmm. and you saw that person perform live or that group perform live and you're like, wow, I feel this strongly about it. You're not going to go up to them and be like garbage, utter trash. And I mean, then, like, walk people off. do. So it happens more so on the internet because you don't, which is have funny that. because they're not even paying for it there. Whereas right. in the live performance sense, they're probably more likely to have paid for it. Yeah. And I, I think again, though, you're, you're totally right in that it shouldn't be this thing that like, I, I've heard music that is poorly done in the sense that someone is either new or they don't really know, I guess what they're doing. Not that I know what I'm doing when I make music, but like, in terms of just having things sound like music, like a cohesive put together track. I've heard stuff that doesn't fit that. And I'm like, this isn't good because it isn't, it doesn't sound like a piece of music. I've heard stuff that definitely does sound like a piece of music that makes no sense to me at all whatsoever. And really, I did not like, but it, I'm not going to trash that piece of music because I didn't like it because it's apparent that, you know, they've put in this effort. And even the piece of music that, I didn't think sounded like was music or was, you know, really constructed by someone who knew what they were doing. I'm also not going to trash that either because I, I was there, you know, I was there throwing loops together in garage band, not having any idea what really fit and just being like, sure, <laughs> yeah. let's throw 15 loops on top of each other. That sounds good. Like, no, but I, I think that, I think that people are just too harsh and too quick to be critical of things. Mm-hmm. Not that, 
critiquing is bad. It's good, but as well, that, everyone, that's it, not a critique. It, no, that's the it, thing. Garbage. Utter trash. No, they're not. You're right. They're <laughs> not critiques. That's not a critique. They're just reaction bot spamming. That's not even a criticism. Like, it's, yeah. A criticism actually offers something of value. Yes, you can have a harsh or unwarranted criticism, but it's still saying, like, there is something that needs to be improved, and it's, like, identifying what that is. Whereas if you're just saying trash or garbage, the thing you're identifying that needs to be improved is your own, like, ability to interact with other humans. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, definitely. A plus to that one. Good diagnosis. I am the doctor. The doctor is in. Isn't that one of your songs? Yes. Well, one of the tentative names, because I never know what the fuck the name attracts. This is actually one of the largest barriers I have to actually releasing things sometimes. So I'm like, I have no idea what the hell to name this. Yeah, I yeah, I I have a lot of like work in progress names for a lot of my tracks. Um, Honestly, sometimes just be called. uh, I don't know. Yeah, but I did for a number of them. That I mean, the titles might even still stick that were works in progress. I opened up like the dictionary on my computer and just like <laughs> typed in a word that I thought sounded cool and went to the thesaurus and found a word that sounded even more like weird. And I was like, yeah, that that works. I don't know what it means, but that, that sounds good. <laughs> that's, that's a title. That's edgy, right? So there Pretty you go. Awesome. So if you ever if you ever need help naming a naming a piece of art. Don't open. ask either of us. <laughs> go to the thesaurus. Go to the source. The thesaurus. So, a brontothesaurus? Yeah, no. I think that that's... Nope. Yep. Hey, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're clearly one with the naming of things. Have you noticed the like titles of these podcast episodes? They're all just like memes and or jokes and or meme jokes. Or clearly, memes. we know how to name things and give them titles. Clearly. I think I Tune can... Into Gaming was like the best title we've ever come up with with our collective mind. I'm just really surprised that no one had taken that name before for anything like it's true. Honestly, real talk, real talk. Yeah. But there you have it. I think unless there's any other things we wanted to discuss. I mean, we've, we've, we've raced throughout the content that we've had for today. Yeah. Vroom, vroom. So anyway, <laughs> we're on Twitter at Tune Into Gaming. If you want to tweet or at us, tweet or twatter. Yeah. Uh, we also have the email thing, Tune Into Gaming at gmail.com. Either of those. Com. If you want to shoot us a comment or question or tell us we're garbage or utter trash, that's cool. <laughs> utter trash? Is that the trash that gets produced from a cow after you milk it? Sounds gross. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yeah, hit us up. You know, if there's something you'd like to see us talk about, let us know. If you, if but you won't you'd see like... it. You'll only hear it. <laughs> there you go. I was going to say, <laughs> if you want to see us talk about it, sucks. You're out of luck because you ain't going to see nothing. But uh, yeah, definitely. Let us, let us know. Good stuff. Let us know. Let us know. Let us know. So anyway. Merry Christmas. Tune out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.